Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Would you please pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for gathering us together around your word. For you are present in your house amongst your family and your people. We pray, Lord, that you work by your spirit. Remove distractions from our hearts and minds and point us ever to Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Tragic things happen in life. You know this. It's no surprise. Not by any means. And when we hear the gospel account today and we hear Jesus talking to the people about tragic things that happen with maybe loved ones or at least acquaintances, Galileans, when we hear him talk about towers that fall, some of these things ring very true for us, right? Two decades ago, right? We can literally think of towers that fell within the United States. It was a tragedy. Absolutely. There's no other way around it. Shocked us. Left us with a lot of questions. Yet for most of us here in California, it was still fairly distant. It was certainly a national level tragedy for us, yet after a little while, daily life kind of goes back to what it was, and it maybe didn't quite hit as close to home as someone who knew somebody that was in the tower, or was even in the tower themselves. Yet each one of you, as you live life, there are things along these lines that happen, some on a grand scale and some on a small scale. Many of you have known loved ones or acquaintances that have either died way too young or died unexpectedly, and in this death, it is hard to look at it and see anything good whatsoever. You know why? Because death isn't good. Not one bit. And it's okay to let those bad things be bad. There's no need to go and look for something good in the middle of it or even sometimes a silver lining to wash away the badness. Let the bad things be bad. It doesn't make them easy. It's still hard to walk through. They're tragedies. They're suffering. And it's things that are hard for us. And they're hard more often than not because we're left with a lot of questions. And one of the main questions is, why? Why did it have to happen? Why did it happen that way? Why did it happen to that person? Why did it happen at that time in life? Why did this have to happen? And then it gets even harder because we actually have someone to ask that why question too. Why, God, did this have to happen? What's harder about that is oftentimes he's silent on that. And that just sends us into a whirlwind of hardship and suffering. And it is tough to ask a question and not receive an answer. You all know this. Have you ever asked a question of someone and then they haven't given you an answer? Yes, you have. Think of the very simple one. Do you want to go to lunch today? And someone doesn't answer you. Why aren't you answering? Is it something I said? Is it something I did? Is there something that happened? Why won't you give me an answer? Sometimes they just didn't hear you. We can't say that about God. He definitely hears us. There's no doubt about that. And we wrestle with these things because ever since the Garden of Eden, we've known good and evil, right? That's the fruit that Adam and Eve ate from, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, yet our knowledge of good and evil has also been corrupted. So we know when things are good, we know when things are evil, whether we 
know them or feel them, we can tell when things are not right. And the first thing we want to do is get away from the hurtful things and just sit and focus on the good things. But we can't always do that. See, as we sit with this corrupted knowledge of good and evil and demand from God an answer in His silence, the first thing we end up doing is starting to give answers. And those in Jesus' day, as they came to Him and He was teaching, and obviously there was some conversation about these Galileans who, in the midst of their sacrifices, Pilate had killed them and their blood was mingled with the sacrifices, and Jesus' question is, do you think that they were worse sinners? Do you think they deserved what they got? That's an answer sometimes the church tries to give. If you remember back to any kind of natural disaster of any sort, and you start hearing fringe comments from some portions of Christianity, and they'll say, oh, that hurricane hit that town because of the debauchery in that town. Because of the sin in that town, God rained down wrath on them. How, how do you know? It's a hard thing to say when we start calling out God's will and judgment on people. Really not even for us to say. So as these folks are talking to Jesus, and he asks them that simple question, do you think they deserve what they got? Do you think that they were worse sinners because of what happened? Or even the folks where the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders and that's Along because the cultural understanding of the day was just that. Whether it was your forefathers or your lineage or somewhere down the line ahead of you, they sinned so badly that not only were they paying for it, but so were you. Jesus came with a very clear answer. No, I tell you. It's not it. Yet you're in the same boat. And those are hard words to hear. Those are hard words to hear when we look at our life and we say, well, we didn't do anything like that other person yet, whether it's a death that comes early in tragedy or a death that comes, quote-unquote, natural causes, which is always funny to me because God never designed death, at least not in the creation of things. He designed life. In all of those settings, the corruption of our creation ends up with the same end as far as we see, death. And we sit in that and we continue to ask God why, and in his silence, we get uncomfortable. Just like when we ask any other question of why, and we don't get an answer. As we continue to sit here, I know you're starting to ponder, when is he going to answer? When is he going to give us the answer to the why? I can't. I can't because I don't know God's will. I, well, I don't know God's will in suffering. I do know God's will for his creation and for people. See, on that, God has not been silent, not by any means. So when we sit in these moments where we're waiting to hear from God in suffering, we're waiting to hear and he's saying nothing, the thing that he has given you in your baptism is faith. Faith not only to believe the promises of forgiveness and righteousness in Christ, but faith to trust him above all things. Faith to believe in what and who God is for you. Faith to believe that he hasn't, excuse me, 
faith to believe that he has eternity in hand for you, that he has given this gift to you, so that in the midst of suffering, we do not need to doubt who our God is or what his promises are. We just aren't going to always know why it's happening. And oftentimes, we probably couldn't even answer or even handle the answer to the question, why? Yet God's will, like I said, is very clear. He has not been silent in his will for his creation. His will is that all would come to the knowledge of the truth and believe in his Son. Forgiveness, for life, for eternity, to be in God's presence for the rest of whatever is to come. So that when Christ comes back, we are not separated from him, but gathered together with him. And in that, God continues to work on us, and continues to show his grace and his mercy, because we know God's character. God's character throughout Scripture is that he is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Love for you that never goes away. Even in the middle of suffering, God promises to be right there with you in the midst of it to be with you, to be present with you. And sometimes that presence looks like the person sitting next to you. As God gathers his family together, and when we go through these things, we are not alone because you have the family of God right there with you, the body of Christ that walks through life with you right here and present now. God's love shown to you every single day. As you hear his word here and you hear that forgiveness for you, there is no need to doubt that at all. It is fully accomplished. And in the times of suffering, his love is just strong. It's hard for us sometimes to see that, feel that. It does not change who God is. He is always the same, always the one who loves you. Always the one who has forgiven you. Always the one who is present with you. And always the one who has claimed you in your baptism. Always the one who has made you his child. And always the one who is continuing to work on you. To bring fruit of faith for all those around you. So in the midst of suffering, know that it's hard. No doubt about it. But God is present with you. And you can rest in his promise in Christ. Amen. We pray with you. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that in the times where we do not have an answer to the question of why something is happening, we certainly know who you are and what you have done for us and continue to do for us and promise to ever keep us close to you. We pray, Lord, that as we go about our days, that our eyes are focused upon you that you continue to work on us by your spirit, raise up fruits within us that are benefits to others and bring glory to you, knowing that you have done everything needful for us in Jesus. In his name we pray.